little earlier on in this week, I sat down with Mary, our office manager, and we had kind of calendarized the week. And I looked at Friday and I said, Mary, I think I need a day off. About that time. And so you know what I did on Friday? I took me a day off. Ooh, it was good. I got to sleep in a little bit. Man, didn't shave right, you know. Had junk food, you know, had Doritos and cinnamon toast things. And we watched some shows that were on the DVR. It was, it was just, it was good. Yeah, it was real good. And we're on our way to Round Rock that night. We stopped in for some gas and a, and a drink. And right before I got out, I said, well, let me hear what's going on today. I hadn't heard the news at all. Just old shows on the DVR. And as the station was going to commercial, it made some reference to some town in Connecticut. And after we all got back in the car again, finishing our trip, we're trying to piece together everything that happened that day. And little by little, all the details became clear of what happened that day. And I think probably just as all of you, all the same kind of emotions dwelled up in us as we talked about it. All the same kind of things popped into our minds as well as we heard new details, and as we heard about the children, as we heard about the horrific scene there on Friday morning. And as I listened to the radio, trying to figure out what, exactly everything still that's going on, as I'm listening to the people who are trying to make sense as well, it's, it's, it's the same kind of emotions that we all feel. Whether we live here in a small town in South Texas, or on the East Coast or the West Coast, we all have, we're all people, we all have these same kinds of emotions. And the same kind of questions, I think. We all want to know why. We all want to know what can drive someone to do that kind of thing. And after it's all happened, after we know what's going on, another question that we always tend to ask in some way is, what do we do? Now, John the Baptist, he doesn't get uh, too many style points. He, um, he certainly doesn't get recommended for his eloquence, necessarily. And boy, his pastoral care is a bit suspect. He had gone out preaching and telling people what was on his mind and giving the call and the message that he knew came from God. And after he had done that, you know what people did? They listened to him. They thought, yeah, sounds cool. And they went to him to go be baptized. And as they all show up to be baptized, <laughs> he doesn't say, hi, guys. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. He doesn't tell them, hey, turn to your neighbor, look him in the eyeballs and tell him it's good to see you. You know what he says? You brood of vipers. Now, say what you want to say about John, his approach, and maybe even his message, but here's what I want you to understand that I think is important for us today. We think about his ministry and his message. 
the people heard him. I don't mean that they heard him. They heard him. They had to have heard him. Because if you continue reading, you see that something about what he said hit him. Something about what he gave them to chew on and to listen to, I think, turned their world upside down. Maybe changed what they thought about God, maybe even about themselves in that small interaction. Changed them in a way. And I say that because what is their question? do. They don't cast him off as some crazy guy in the desert. They don't say, oh, sky, oh my God, he's had one too many locusts and he's to ease up off the honey and come hang out with everybody else. They hear his message and they ask him, what do we do? That's the same question so many of us ask after something life-altering It's the same question I heard over the radio as I tried to figure out about Friday morning. Now that it's happened, what do we do? Now when it comes to the safety of a classroom, when it comes to enforcing this law or that law, when it comes to figuring out what to do in certain situations, friends, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. There's plenty of other people who are a lot more sure of themselves and their ideas than I am. But here's what I do know. That when these kinds of things happen, there are at least two things we can do. Maybe even two things we should do. When something so tragic as what took place in Newtown this past Friday happens, I think the first thing that we know we should do, as God's people, is pray. We need to pray for the peace and the healing and the comfort of that entire community. We need to pray for those families whose lives have been ripped apart. We need to pray for those young minds who will never forget what they saw what they heard, and what they experienced. We need to pray that anger never supersedes the love that we receive from God. We need to pray, not to make sense of everything, but to find out what it is God could be showing us. Don't you ever believe someone tells you that this was God's will. Don't you ever believe someone who says that God was testing somebody? That's not the God we know. It's not the God we trust. But God is at work somewhere still. And that part of our prayer is, God, help us to see that. Because all we really otherwise see is pain and hurt and loss. So the first thing we do is pray. And then I think at some point, the second thing we do is remember. And I think we remember at least three very specific things. We need to remember that there are people 
hurting all around us. There are probably people sitting next to you or around you at this very moment with so much more on their plate than you could ever realize or understand. Chances are you know someone who has just lost a job or is very close to losing a job. You probably know someone who's having a hard time keeping the rent paid for good reason. You probably know someone whose marriage is on the brink. Chances are you know someone who is so in debt that they can't even breathe. Someone who is so ill that there is no medication, no amount of prescription that could take away what they are feeling. The reality is there is so much hurt around us. And forgive us, God, that sometimes it takes tragic events like what happened this this weekend to remind us of that. Forgive us that we get so caught up in everything else we're doing that we forget how much the person next to us is struggling with addiction or with fear or with anger. So as God's people, I think in response, we pray. But we also remember that there are people who are hurting all around us. And then I think we remember our call as God's people. You see, the interesting thing about John the Baptist, this interaction that we read this morning, I think the people got it. He wasn't interested in building some fan base. He wasn't trying to build a mega church. He wanted to be faithful to the message that was given to him, and that's what he preached. He didn't say, hey, come on and get baptized. Let me get these numbers up. Let me make myself feel good. And then I'll tell you what I really got to tell you. He just laid it all out there to begin with. He really said, you do what you want with it. And part of what I think he was telling us is remember who you are. All these people were coming to Get baptized by John. And I think part of what John was telling them is to remember to be baptized. Friends, your baptism means something. Your baptism is a reminder to you and to the world of God's presence that has gone before you and that is with you now and that will always be with you. Your baptism means something. And I think some of us who all these years later who've already been baptized, some of us as children, some of us as adults or somewhere in between, what we can hear John telling us is, remember that. Be baptized. And so I love what John says. He doesn't just say if someone's needing something, don't just give them something, because you know how it is. Well, I gave to the, you know, and I gave here. He doesn't say that. He says, share. So that it's something that you and I have together now. Whether it's a coat, whether it's a meal, whether it's whatever else it is, it's something that we share. Because as God's people, that is our call. To share in what God has done for us. And that's why, as Luke tells us, I mean, even the tax collectors 
guided on this because it made sense that there was something that they could do as well. And even the soldiers. Maybe if Luke had time and a little more space, maybe he would say, and even the teachers. And even the accountants came. And even the bosses and even the couriers and even the preachers and even the whatever else it is you do with your life now. Because our baptism means something for who we are. And it has something to be played out wherever it is God has put us. So the first thing we do as God's people is we pray. And we remember that there are people hurting around us. And we remember our call as God's people. And then we remember that we are in so much need of the light of God. That's why I, I, in my own faith, and certainly in the church, I try to emphasize the season of Advent more than I think most preachers do, more than I think probably most parishioners do. Because I think Advent teaches us, it reminds us, and it slows us down so that we can recognize the reality of our world. There is a reason why Christmas is so meaningful. And it's not just because a little baby was born. It's because the light of God came to be with us. And you know why the light of God came to be with us, friends? We need it so bad. We need the light of God so much in our life, so much in our churches, so much in our community. Certainly what took place this weekend was a horrible example of that. An extreme example, even. But who I am as a person and what I struggle with every day and the attitudes I have, and the things I have in my mind, in my faith, the times I fall, and the times I struggle, I need the light of God. And I don't think I'm just speaking for myself. Christ came to us because we needed Him to. And if we remember that, we can remember the significance of this time, that even though there is darkness all around us, there is still the light that can never be extinguished. There is still that hope, that promise, and even that joy that can never be taken because that all comes from God. And so, friends, this morning, you and I, we have to come together. We have to try again to maybe make sense of things that happen around us. And I want to encourage you by saying this you may never be able to make sense of what goes on around you. But that is okay. Pray and remember. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, moments now as we try to find words to lift up to you, words that perhaps make sense to us, we find difficulty. And we trust, God, that you will take our 
broken words, our broken thoughts. He would take the inability that we have to communicate what it is we feel deep down and that you would hear our real prayer to you. God, so many of us are hurting in so many different kinds of ways. And what we pray, God, is that your peace and your wholeness would be unavoidable in our lives. And that your peace and that your joy would strengthen us and encourage us and unite us as God's people. God, forgive us when we have been willing to let others go about their way. Forgive us when we have not heard your call in our life. But fill us now with your presence so that we can leave from this place being your light in a dark world. In Jesus' name.